There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ up here in Cape Creek, Arizona. Um, well, we got another program, our, our second one, since we've uh, come back on the air. And, and today I want us to take a look at um, the word anger and, and what that means. But before we, we get into that, as I promised last week, uh, I didn't, I'd run out of time, so I, I needed to put it off. But I wanted to tell you folks about a golf tournament, a charity golf tournament coming up here on June 1st. That's a Friday. And the tournament, uh, when it begins, will be a shotgun start at 1.30 p.m. at the Troon North Golf Club in North Scottsdale. And uh, I'll, I'll have the address and information put up on our website and uh, everything for you on, on that. But anyway, the, the tournament is, is uh, uh, the, a charity golf tournament, and it's go- going to be helping out the kids of Arizona. And, and who doesn't want to do that? Who, who doesn't want to help out all the, the children here in the, our great state of Arizona? And we're going to be doing that in, in two ways. One, the, the funds uh, gathered there will go to uh, the kids who attend camp at the Copper Basin Bible Camp. And you can learn uh, more about that uh, by going to their website, copperbasinbiblecamp.org. Also, funds will go to the OCJ Kids Foster Care Home here, here in Arizona. And they do a great work. And uh, we'll have Siobhan, one of the uh, the people who work there at the tournament. There's a the tournament will begin, and at the end, around 6:30, I, I think, we'll have our our dinner. And I'll speak. She'll speak. We're going to have raffle items. We're going to have uh, auction items. One of the raffle items um, is going to be a rifle, which I know is maybe kind of strange, but hey, hey, it's it's free. All you got to do is show up. You uh, the dinner I think is going to be about 40 bucks. And there will be a, a lot to, to go on with that. Also, since we're talking about uh, the items you can get, uh, in the golf tournament itself, we'll have a, a million-dollar hole-in-one prize. So if you can hit a, a, a ball and get it a hole-in-one, it'll be one of the holes, get it hole-in-one, you'll win $1 million. And there will be all kinds of other prizes. The dinner is a fantastic uh, uh, venue. And so if you are if you like to golf, you want to help out the, the kids of Arizona, uh, give me a, me a call or, or actually email me, Chris Macy, C-H-R-I-S-M-A-C-Y, at Outlook.com, and I will uh, get you the information. And again, also, we'll get that information on our website, www.nvcoc.net, and you can learn more there. Okay, now let's let's jump into it. Uh, I, I want us to talk about our our lesson for today, what I want us to take a look at here, and, and it, it comes from a news article, and this is this isn't anything new, uh, but I, I, I remember seeing this in the years past. But on uh, uh, FoxNews.com, I found this article, and the article is titled "Rec Rooms Let People Lose Control and Smash Everything Up." Oh man, so that caught my eye. I knew what they were probably going to be talking about. But let me read you the story, and we'll, we'll, go, we'll go from there. Here's the story from Fox News, a website published February 25th, 2018. 
In the stark, brightly lit room, crowbars and baseball bats swing furiously in all directions. Glass shards fly everywhere. Metal and plastic are busted to shreds. Sounds like my my kid's room. It's all part of a thrill-seeking new fad making its way across the country, releasing pent-up tension and anxiety by spending a half hour obliterating a large variety of objects like beer bottles, old printers, and computer monitors. Call it unadulterated fun, complete with a twist of psychotherapy. Psycho, yeah. So, rec rooms are the newest craze for adults of any age looking for a night of fun mixed with stress relief. From New York to California, a growing number of these facilities are popping up. In Las Vegas, thrill-seekers who are re- required to wear white hazmat-looking suits with protective face masks and work gloves pay $35 for 30-minute pummeling sessions at rec rooms. <laughs> they are armed with baseball bats or crowbars and given free reign to pound electronics, furniture, and glass bottles. Quote, It's supposed to feel dangerous when it's not really actually really dangerous said owner Corey Holtham. Holtham. Holtham also offers a number of different items that patrons can pay to smash in addition to what is provided. These include guitars, big screen televisions, garden gnomes, and porcelain lamps. The troubles and anxieties of modern life are a good draw to come destroy things, Holtham says. I've had people tell me that It brings up a lot of things from the past and deep emotions, but for me, it's more about fun and touching on those primal instincts, he says. Acting as a controlled contained space for a good rage venting, rage venting, key word there, rage venting session, Holdem has multiple rooms for groups of tourists or locals. He has uh, seen couples on date, on a date, taking part in the smashing. Oh, man. Let's go on a date, honey. Let's go smash stuff. The activity also has the hallmarks of a good cardio workout since your heart races pretty much throughout the whole half hour. The goal is to constantly be smashing items over and over for the entire duration of the time. Well, there you go. Cardio workout. Yeah. Participants say they experienced the a euphoria that they were not expecting. Here's another quote. I got out some aggression that I didn't realize I had, but I got it out, said Kayla Umana who recently visited Vegas Rec Room. It was a little scary at first, but I got in there and I got into the rhythm, and you just want to break everything. Others were surprised by how much they loved wrecking things. Another guy said, I love smashing things, apparently. Uh, I didn't think I would. That's the story. Oh, man. (laughs) So, in the past, I remember uh, it coming up where... These businesses, corporations, and companies would give uh, venting rooms, venting rooms, where they could go into these rooms at their place of work and scream and yell and rage <laughs> and things like that. Uh, and I, I started thinking about why. I mean, why? Why would you do this? Why would you want people to to have that opportunity to do that? And, and I brought this up with a, a group in the past, and they said, well, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, there's times where, where I do that in the car. I, I scream, and I rant, and I rage, and I, I 
have these conversations and whatnot, and I feel better. And uh, and I have multiple questions. The number one question I, I give them, or one, I should the question, not the number one, but one of the questions I ask them, I say, okay, you're in your car, and you're ranting and raving like this, okay? And this is before people had the uh, uh, cell phones that you could connect to your speakers and you could talk hands-free. And I asked one, so if you're doing that and someone pulls up beside you and looks over at you, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep doing that? And they always say, oh, no, no. I said, well, why? Why Why stop? They said, well, because they, they feel uncomfortable. Well, I asked, why, why do you feel uncomfortable? There's just someone watching you vent. And they usually don't have an answer. And I think, I think the reason is because deep down you know you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not good. And and people seem today today seem to think that's that's getting up like that one lady said. I'm releasing. I'm venting. I'm releasing all this sp- uh, bent up uh, anger I didn't know I had. And so they go in there and they as it, again as the story said, it's like a euphoria. I feel it's like I didn't know. And they do feel better. I, I admit, you know, you do feel better. There are times where uh, I get. I hit my finger with a hammer, and I just slam, slam, slam the hammer several times. Oh, it hurt. And I think I feel better. And after the euphoria wears off, guess what? The problem's still there. <laughs> it's still there. I didn't solve anything. Maybe for a moment, maybe for just a moment, I feel a little better. But that's it. The problem actually doesn't go away. And for when they, when they, uh, that story came out years ago about these companies who were doing this, a lot of people, they would go in there and scream in rage because they were upset with a fellow worker or one of the customers or their boss. Yeah. Do you think that's solving the problem? I'm angry with that fellow worker. My, my, let's go with the boss. I, I, I'm assuming most people probably get upset with the boss. So they go in there and they, ah, they scream from the top of their lungs and they smash things or whatever it is because they're so angry with the boss and boy, they feel better. And then they come out of the office. They calm them, hopefully calm themselves down. They go back to work and there's their boss. I need to go back to the scream room because does that scream room solve the problem that you now you have with your boss? Does that scream room solve the problem you got with the customer or with your fellow worker? No. No. Going to a smash room and smashing things because of spe- uh, anxiety and angers, anger you have in, inside you, does it solve the problem? After you live there, you go home, you go back to whatever causes the anger and anxiety. Is the problem solved? No. No, it's not. It's still there. Problem's not solved. It's still there. I I do not like these rooms. I do not like the idea of, of people going around smashing things. It, it normalizes this is how you deal with things. Think about it. Now, you may be thinking, oh, no, it won't, Chris. Oh, it won't. If a child grows up knowing that these things are out there and that and then, and that. Their parents maybe teach them to do this. This is how you deal with anger because it works for me. And maybe this will work for my kid. I'll let them smash things. So what are they going to do when they have problems? Well, well, their mind's going to go back. Well, I dealt with this problem. I learned to deal with this by smashing things, by breaking things. You see where this is going? 
And you may be thinking, no, Chris, it won't happen like that. People are more reasonable, blah, blah. You know what? I, I used to think that way, but now now I, I can see that that's how it works. It's always baby steps leading into that direction. Like I, I like to use music as the example. Back in the 30s and, and 40s, man, uh, people were preaching against the, the music industry back then. Saying how horrible, oh, it's so bad, it's so bad. If, if you listen to big band music, and the, the music from the 30s, <coughs> excuse me, it, it's not that bad. In fact, it's pretty good. I like the big, big band music. That wasn't bad. And then the 50s and 60s when uh, 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 people like Elvis and others began to change and rock and roll was coming in. And if you listen to Elvis's music, there's nothing bad about his music. It's nice. It's good music. He's the king of rock. But boy, they were saying, this is so bad, this is so bad. Boy, if those people could hear the music today. How did we get to, the, to our music today where it talks about glorifying murder, glorifying rape, and glorifying all these other things in music? It's, I'm talking about the rap industry because that's where it's going. It's bad. It's real bad. How did we get here? Baby steps. Baby steps. Because people are not actually dealing with with the problem not actually dealing with the problem you know i i want to start by yeah let's let's start with ephesians i want to read you a passage got my bible over here from the book of ephesians ephesians chapter four i get my bible over there hopefully i should have had this prepared beforehand save myself some time uh, I know you're probably driving or maybe you're at home, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll be reading from the New American Standard. In Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25, Paul writes this. You'll recognize this verse probably. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Now, now why, why start off? This is a, a new paragraph. Why start off with this section like that well listen to verse 26 and now i want to answer that so speak truth each one of you with his neighbor for we are members of one another be angry and yet do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity what he's talking about here in 25 26 and 27 is how you deal with one another in problems you have and first, first thing he says is lay aside falsehood. Don't lie. If you're angry, don't pretend to be happy and lie. That's a falsehood. That's a lie. Speak truth to one another with your, with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. That's okay. It's okay to be angry, but you do it without sinning. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, you may be thinking, how, can, uh, how, how is that true, Chris? Well, anger anger is actually a good thing because it, it promotes action in us. That's why people like these rec rooms. They have anger, and then they want to do something about it, and they think, well, here it is. I can release the anger. But the, it, only for a little while. The euphoria is there, true. But after a while, it goes away. And you're going to spend another $35 and deal with it again tomorrow? It's like taking drugs. The drug's going to wear off, and you're, not, you're just dealing with the symptoms. You're not dealing with the problem. And so Paul is saying, you know, first, don't, you, know, you speak truth 
with the person you're with. Be gentle. You can be gentle in speaking the truth. You don't have to scream and smash things. You speak, You be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Let them know. Then, and the reason why is so you don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity to let this uh, fester inside you. This is why you don't want the sun to go down on your anger. Don't let it fester inside you and grow into something bigger and bigger until it just explodes. It goes back to the, uh, the story about the Hatfields and the McCoys in, in Kentucky and Virginia. Of course, no one really knows the whole what that what started that whole dispute, but people have theorized it had something to do with a some pig, like somebody killed a pig or stole a pig, a pig, and how many human beings were killed over a pig? Now I know back then that was a big deal, but for years and years of people dying over and killing and and the bloodshed and the murder, why they never dealt with the problem never dealt with the problem anger and yet they sinned anger and the sun went down anger and they didn't speak the truth and it overtook them it gave the devil an opportunity how do we really deal with this well i mean obviously you you deal with it you go to the person you talk with them but let's uh let's look at another passage James chapter 4. I like James. James is a great letter. He does he helps us with a lot of things. James chapter 4, the very beginning, in verse 1. Listen listen to what he's got to say here. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He, that's God, jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Let's start there in verse 1. Quarrels. Quarrels. You know what? That's not the problem. He, just, he brings it up, but that's not the problem, but simply a symptom of the problem. The real issue going on here that James is talking about is worldliness. Worldliness. And, and out of that, these conflicts have grown. In fact, you know, James is really looking at two symptoms of, of, of their friendship with the, with the world. It's their conflicts and also their ineffective prayer. <laughs> and man, that's that's true. I don't know what their prayers were, but it was probably had something to do with the things that they wanted. 
and not what God wanted. And we'll get we'll get to that. And so James goes on. He's got that initial question. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It's a rhetorical question. He says, is it not the, is not the source of pleasures that wage war in your members? And so you got this in, external conflict between these brothers here in James 1, and it's a result of well, worldly desires within them. And uh, he talks about these uh, pleasures. Uh, really, it's um, a pursuit of pleasures as a priority in life. That's what he's talking about there. It's almost synonymous with lust, you could say. But means here to have selfish desires or feelings that please only themselves. When you see the word members, when he talks about uh, uh, right there, the wage war in your members, he's not he's not talking about with other other Christians, I think he's he's literally talking about the physical body, uh, kind of like when Paul was talking about you know um, the, the members of his, he, he beats the, the members of his body trying to bring it to submission, and he got we use the members of our body uh, talking about our hands, our tongue because you know James talks about the tongue is a, a source of evil. We use these members of our body to wage war against people around us. Well, I don't like what that person said or did. It's not what I want, and so I'm going to try to diminish him in some way with, by speaking lies or, or uh, trying to get other people to turn away from him and, and come toward the, what my ideas, or I want whatever it takes. You know, we call it you know, politics in the workplace, or I want to punch him in the face. And, and when, he, when James talks about murder, I don't think he's talking about literal murder, but we can murder somebody with our words, can't we? We can just destroy them, not in one instance, but maybe over time or with our political maneuverings as we try to destroy and smash their lives because we don't want to deal with the problem because we have a pleasures of life that we want. We're not getting our way, and so we're going to make it happen. Anger and resentment, those quarreling, all these things are symptoms of a bigger problem. Worldliness, selfishness, wanting to do things our way. And so James is bringing all this to, to light. Now, here's some of the problems you guys got coming on the symptoms of, of the quarrels and the conflicts, the ineffective prayer life. And you, the source is really it's, it's the worldliness, giving yourself over to be a friend of the world. You got the, all these relationship terms there in verse 4. You got adulteresses, the friendship uh, with the world, hostility toward God. You're an enemy. And the source of the problem is centered on our spirit. It's centered in on our spirit. Um, there in verse 5 when it says, Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He, God, jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Now that word spirit in my Bible is capitalized. The translators think it's the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. I, I don't think so. I think this is talking about our spirit. The person spirit who's got the problem, who's given their themselves over to the worldly way and not given themselves fully over to Christ. And, and God desires that spirit. He wants it. That's why he sent his son, so that we'll die and live for him. We don't die physically, right? We die spiritually. That's our spirit. It dies. It needs to go away. And we need to fill ourselves with the things of Christ. And that's what God wants. He wants it. He just, God jealously wants it. He wants us to give him our minds and our hearts. He does not want to see us give ourselves over to the world. Leaving God for the world can make us arrogant and make us proud. And such arrogance places us on the opposite side of God. 
Yet there is a greater grace that is offered. The forgiveness and, and welcoming us back when we don't deserve it, right? And so verses 7 through 10, here's the solution to worldliness. Here's how you deal with it. Submit to God. Submission is a characteristic of humility. That's verse 6. Submit means to yield your will to another. Resist the devil. Satan sets himself up as the god of this world. He's like a roaring lion. You know, he's walking around seeking someone to that he may devour. And that's what a roaring lion, that's, that, that's very apt. He's, he's not, when we are in Christ, he can't touch us. He can't come near us. He knows it. All he can do is try to tempt us to come out of Christ into his realm of influence. That's what all he can do. And sometimes he uses a lion's roar to try to use to fear us, to, to distract us from the goal of the upward call in Christ. And so the lion roars, you know, real loud, right? And when you hear that, it kind of kind of scares you, distracts you, makes you turn around and look. And that's what he wants. He wants you to move away. He wants you to do something that's going to cause you to leave Christ to come into his realm of influence. He, uh, another solution, draw near to God. This is an expression used in the Old Testament of priests in their priestly work. It has to do with our religious practices. Being around the people of God, being around the word of God, going to the worship service. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He says cleanse reminds us of the ceremonial cleansing from the Old Testament. Points of moral cleansing. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Now James uh, turns to the inner man here. He says purify, which has the sense of unmixed, pure gold without the dross. Double-minded is a mixed mind. So you're trying to live two lives. Can't do that. Got to give your life over to Christ fully. Be miserable, mourn, and weep. Now, this is not the idea of practicing our Christianity with a, a you know, oh, woe is me face. This is about sin. The world laughs at sin. Christians see it as an affront to God who gave his life for them. And then humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. Humble yourself. That's a decisive act. It is a recognition that God can see. Knowing uh, uh, this causes us to live righteously, we are grateful for this what a blessing and i had to rush through that last bit i'm running out of time uh, uh, i wish I, I i had more but folks think about this don't do these records you know thank all the, the things of god when you are angry with somebody go to them speak honestly and gently with them and the lord well maybe things won't work out but you will have peace in your heart you tried you did your part and let us always do that while we have the opportunity. Let us redeem the time. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out.